Welcome to Second in Command, brought to you by COO Alliance, where top-level COOs share their insights, tactics, and strategies that made them the chief behind the chief. And now, here's your host, Cameron Harold. Florence Bout is the COO of Leverage, a New York-based company that helps entrepreneurs and small businesses scale by providing on-demand resources to complement in-house teams with their marketing, business operations, and administrative functions. In her role, Florence is responsible for operational performance of Leverage with the main focus to support the internal departments and through these departments, the success of their clients. In her day-to-day, she works with each of the departments to achieve the company vision through the development of the company processes, tools, and systems, allowing Leverage to operate product- productivity profitably and set itself up for growth. She has a track record of problem solving and streamlining processes to improve business performance. Florence comes from a diverse background, having studied engineering at Imperial College London and consolidated her degree in multinationals before fulfilling a passion for furniture design and starting a furniture company, ultimately applying all of her engineering and startup knowledge at Leverage and Florence's CEO and I are actually friends. We're both members of the Genius Network together, and that's Nick Sonnenberg. So, Florence, welcome to the Second in Command podcast. Thank you so much. It's lovely to be here. Yeah, I'm looking forward to learning from you. So, tell us a little bit about, um, I guess, how you and Nick connected or how you got involved with Leverage and then how you've um, kind of transitioned and grown in your career with them. Well, actually, that's a bit of a funny story. Um, so I was in Italy, I was just telling you before we started recording that I was living in Italy and I was doing the startup. And as part of that, I wanted to learn Italian. So I went to Italian school and I sit next to Nick's high school prom date. And so we got chatting, yeah, just talking about networking and the power of networking, but also things that you, you know, you can't foresee. And uh, so we got chatting and she said, hey, my, uh, my friend Nick's actually starting uh, up in New York. Um, maybe this would be something up your alley. So at the time, I was trying to work on my own business, but I was like, okay, this sounds cool. They, they have a really interesting concept. And having just started up my own company, um, I, you know, I went through the whole journey of entrepreneurship mm-hmm. sort of thing, um, the, the, you know, the successes and the failures sort of thing. And um, I was like, I want to help other people do this, help the clients do this as well, and so they can learn from my experience and um, that I can contribute to that. So as we got talking, um, I just, I guess, distinguished myself because I started, uh, I didn't start as an operation manager. I just distinguished myself, especially in business operations. And so I kind of got promoted to first business operations um, and then just kept on talking and engaging with them and eventually made it to COO. Interesting. Now you've gone through, the company's gone through some, um, some pretty big growth in the time that you've been there. How many total employees do you have now, full-time and freelancers? Yeah, because we've had different shifting priorities. Uh, Mm -hmm. So at some point, I think we had 270 freelancers, but we're trying to consolidate that now and have more full-time people. Um, So we're at a team of about 70. About 70? About 70. So still freelancers, um, but more on a full-time basis with a few kind of partnerships as well on the side. Now, when you're putting, are you putting systems in place for companies or are they outsourcing to you or is it a little bit of both? Mostly internal. So I work mostly on internal, but I do take on a couple of client projects as well. So, I'm, or is that not, sorry. Is yeah, that sorry. Not- what, I, what I meant was when, when Leverage is working with customers, just tell us a little bit more about Leverage so we understand how the model works and what kind of work you might do for clients. 
Okay, perfect. Um, so yes, we're on, as the blurb said, we're on demand. So they come to us, um, let's say, podcast. We're on a podcast. So they say, hey, I want to start a, a podcast. And we're like, great, we can definitely help you with that. We've got our marketing team. Within the marketing team is the media team. So uh, for example, Ike, he's our head of um, media. They would come to, and marketing, um, they would come to him. And so he'd start saying, okay, like, we're, let's look at all the systems and the tools. Uh, where do you want to host it? Where, how are you recording it? Um, you know, do you want a summary? Do you want show notes? What are the images? And we'd organize that whole aspect. So we'd make sure that we got the design or the template images made, that we had the whole process for what you wanted written up, whether you wanted uh, a transcript or not. And um, then we would figure out where we wanted to with you, of course, where we wanted to publish that podcast to, whether it's, yeah, if it's going to iTunes, whether it's going to SoundCloud, things like that, whether it's then the, using this transcript and the summary to go to Medium and write a blog based on it, whether it's going to the website, and of course, the social media aspect around that. And so um, we do, yeah, from start to finish, depending on the client needs, of course. So that's an example of podcast, but we could talk um, any other sort of process, more on the business operation side, marketing strategy, things like that. Yeah. What's your typical client? Who do you look for as a client? How would you describe them to us? So they're um, usually entrepreneurs and small businesses, and they're probably looking to scale. Um, so they probably have you know, a small team behind them. So we would complement their in-house team. Um, so we do work with startups that are, are solopreneurs as well, because those are the people that really need us. Um, since they're a one man show or a one woman show, sorry. <laughs> um, but typically our client avatar would be kind of the, the small businesses that are really starting to look to scale. Okay. And give, give us an example then of an operational um, project that you've worked on with companies. Okay, um, just uh, personally racking my brain <laughs> since I worked internally so uh, so much recently. So um, one of them, actually, the two last projects I did, one was with a legal team and one was a boutique hedge fund. Sure. And so with the legal team, it was uh, using a tool called Process Street and it's kind of documenting all their processes. And this is, again going to the client avatar and setting them up for success and setting them up for growth, we wanted to make sure that they could hire more people and they would all be following kind of the same cheat sheet, the same process. Um, or if someone went on vacation, that that transition could happen seamlessly. Um, so it was, as, so that was more in terms of business operations, kind of documenting the processes, spending a lot of time talking through what happens this uh, at this stage, what happens at that stage, who's responsible, when is it due by, what is the deliverable, and documenting that, uh, right. that whole process. So that was for the legal team. For the boutique hedge fund, it was a lot more, because I'm not a trader, <laughs> it was a lot more behind the scenes. Um, so they're kind of back office. So what happens, because I think they have a 20 to 30 person team, so what happens in the hiring process? What happens when they want to go to conferences? So the last request, actually, I've got a, a call schedule with them tomorrow, is as simple as um, organizing team travel. Um, because they were, there was just so many kind of conferences and um, people requesting time, uh, time to go travel and, and the budget management of that. So we, we wanted to kind of streamline that, have like a funnel um, 
see funnel and kind of develop that funnel a lot with automation so that all the right people were being informed and all the information was going to the right place for something as simple as a travel request. <laughs> Interesting. So you actually spend a lot of time working with the client, understanding their business or their processes. And I guess what you were saying with the, uh, the legal team and helping to organize it in process street. So you're, you're, doing what maybe some of their operations people can't do or don't have the unique ability for and then does that start setting them up for scale is that right exactly or maybe that they don't have the in-house operations person um available or they're not knowledgeable so part of this would be training because i think exactly if we are going to set them up for scale they need to be able to do the day-to-day management once we've kind of done the bulk of it so it'd be usually training up their in-house person so they can do the small tweaks later on and so I used a personal example, but I, I don't want to limit that to me. So we have a whole team that does that uh, as well. Of course, totally. Yeah. So, so when you're working with a client, um, how do you get the vision of what they want on a project? Because you're working with them remotely, aren't you? You're not actually on site with many of your clients. Uh, exactly. So all remote, um, which is wonderful. And we can talk about that a bit more um, if you want to. Um, it's, it's a lot of calls. Like um, I always start and I think, that's the same for the business operations and the marketing strategy people is let's get on a call and listening, really listening to their needs and catering to their needs because it all has to support what they want. So I can't impress too much my opinion on things. I, can, I definitely have my opinion and I can make suggestions, but at the end of the day, the process has to work for them. They have to buy into it and they have to be, because they have to use it at the end of the day. So if they don't have that buy-in, then um, they won't use it. And so that, that would be a shame. So is, is undercovering the, the vision of the project that you're working on on a project by project basis that you use, you know, I guess at leverage, is it similar to how you get the vision of what Nick wants to build for leverage and, and really understanding as the overall company? Is there a, is there a tie in there at all? Um, potentially. Yes, that helps. I think that helps set the structure. I think it would be more on a department level. So okay. I think we kind of then go into the department. So like with the legal team and the hedge fund, it was like, mm-hmm. Let's talk to the team lead. Um, I, I do need that vision. So with the hedge fund, it's like we have all these departments. Uh, who takes the priority? And so that's set up with the CEO. They're like, this is the priority. And the same thing with Nick. So I have all my internal departments. And so, you know, when you have to choose between a client success uh, request and an HR request, then that company vision comes into it. And then we go, that's what the uh, exec calls are about every Monday. Let's determine the priorities and, uh, that support that vision. Interesting. So, so tell us about the vision that you have for leverage. Where are you taking the company now over the next three years and how do you get aligned with Nick's vision? Most entrepreneurs have this vision swirling around in their head of where they want to take the company. How do you get on the same page with him and then how do you get him on the same page with your operational plan, plan to make it happen? Lots of communication. <laughs> Um, so where we want to take leverage, so we've just, um, we bootstrapped our way to to this point or to October and we've just launched our new dashboard. So, um, well, with just, it feels like just because we're still, you know, massively improving it. Um, but yes, that came out in October. And so we're still transitioning all the clients off it and onto the new uh, system, as in off the old system and onto the new system. So actually, we've got a time frame of wanting to really do that in the next month so we don't have to maintain two systems. So the first vision would be to do that. And then we have, so it's almost 
right now becoming um, a SaaS product because with the services because we really want to have a great platform which uh, facilitates the service. So we, we have a version two coming out that's going to uh, later in the year that will support um, the services much better. So that would be kind of the next year vision. And so everything comes back uh, to that as in to the development and who gets, uh, yeah, what will kind of support both of those. Okay. So you meant, that's fine. You mentioned um, communication, a lot of communication. So talk to me about the communication protocol, I guess, or how you and Nick um, work with each other. Is there regular meetings? Do you work over Slack or Asana? Do you do a lot of face-to-face -face or over Zoom? And, and are you um, in the same office as him or are you remote as well? Completely remote. Yeah, it was, uh, it was very funny seeing them for the first time. I think I only saw them for the first time after a year of working together. So wow. it's like you have all this additional information suddenly um, when you meet in person. Uh, but, you know, we spent so much time on conference calls before that. But, you know, that was just kind of the first second. Um, so, yes, on Slack, very heavy in Slack. Um, then we do use Asana for project management, so as well. And so that's more kind of setting up kind of the goals and, and then the tasks, the week-to-week -week tasks between the calls. And we have uh, definitely a weekly call to check in on all the weekly tasks and just be like, okay, what were the targets for this week on next side or my side? Um, where did we get to with that? If not, why? If not completed, why? Um, and then ad hoc project calls. So I'd say like half my day to day would be kind of um, the maintenance, what I call more the maintenance of making sure that everyone has the right information, the right um, knowledge system processes to do their job effectively and efficiently. And, and then the other half would be projects. So there'll be more uh, structured project calls of, for example, this transition from the old platform to the new platform. So that would be then a project that we treat separately. But yes, all day long in Slack. So Nick is very, um, your CEO is very focused on systems and processes and automation. Um, and I think the software side of the business, correct? Yes. How yeah. do you, how do you support that drive, but also rein him back in a little bit to avoid the perfection trap so that you can kind of launch now with that whole minimum viable product idea? Oh, actually I'd say that it's, uh, that it's more the other way around that I'm, yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, I don't know, is it ready? And he'd be like, let's get it 80%. Let's work okay. on this 80-20 rule. So, for example, which is what I learned from him because he was like, right, the dashboard, let's launch it. And I'm like, oh, I don't know, what about this? What about that, you know? And he's like, no, no, I think it's good enough. It's MVP, it's 80%, and we've got the developers, and we're going to work on it, and we'll get the feedback. Awesome. That's huge, more that's huge growth for him then because two years ago when I spoke with him, he wasn't quite there yet. He was still driving for everything to be perfect. And I think that was something we talked about two years ago. That's great. Yeah, in that regard. So I think in the high level vision, there are yeah. other times, of course, that he does become perfectionist. And so then it's about saying, okay, Nick, I've got this. It's fine sort of thing. Um, you know, but... But yes, yeah. no, all, all entrepreneurs are crazy. I'm crazy. Everybody in the Genius Network is pretty much borderline um, crazy. Nick is certainly in our category as well, um, although I think he's one of the smarter ones. How do you, how do you rein in the craziness and the the big shiny object syndrome that CEOs have? You know, he comes back from a Genius Network event, and I'm sure he's got twelve new awesome things that have to be put in place this week that'll only take two minutes each. Mm -hmm. That don't. Um, how do you? How do you deal with that? What do you, how do you systemize all that? 
Yes, and you've described Nick to a team, and hey, it's it, and so it is about prioritization because it is very inspirational, right? And there's all these tools, and you're like, oh my god, um, I want to, I want leverage to be better. I want, from a personal point of view, to be learning and to be better. And so he comes with all these great ideas, and you do exactly as you say, want to implement them because there is something to all of them. But uh, there is only so much that we could do and spend resources at on at any point in time and so then it goes back to the vision and the rocks so sometimes i will push back or a lot of times i'll push back we're like okay let's write it in asana so like i said we're big asana users let's document it and then there we have a backlog list so let's add it to the backlog and then every week we kind of review what are the priorities um so we do this we do the reviews twice. Uh, so we do them on a weekly basis and a quarterly basis. And so they're all supposed to support the vision. But um, yeah, first it's like, let's all put it in backlog and then let's talk about it. So yes, I found after every Genius Network meeting, my backlog list becomes so much bigger. <laughs> well, I think, I think you just nailed the core system, which is let's keep track of it in Asana or somewhere. Let's put it into backlog. I call it green lighting, yellow lighting, and red lighting projects. Green is okay, let's start it. Yellow light is we're going to do it, but not yet. Yes. And, and red is it's been killed off. Like we're just not doing it. Um, so have you ever had to kill an idea? Like where the CEO is really passionate about something and you just either know or firmly believe that it's just, it's just a no. And how do you, and how do you approach that? Yes, I think um, it's, and it's a great software. Um, but, and so this is again, you know, Nick, it's all systems and software. So I'm using a software yep. example. But right. this time last year, we were looking at using Confluence as, a, as our knowledge management system. And um, so we, so yes, we ended up killing that idea because we need to go back and figure out what is the purpose and who are the users. And so Confluence is a great tool, but um, are our, our team going to be using it? They're in Slack, they're in the dashboard. Do we really need to introduce something else that they need to log into to find information? Mm. Um, no matter how powerful it is, especially since we're working with contractors, we're not working with employees. So there's a little bit of a different mindset to, to that. And so we kind of did a review and we took Confluence out of the equation. Like we want a new management system. Um, how are we going to approach this? And so we listed all the success criteria that we needed with the for the team. And one of them was that it really needs to have a really good integration with the one tool they're always in, Slack. And so we actually used, uh, in the end, uh, we tested all these softwares and we came to the solution of using Ask Spoke for this because they have a re one of the best Slack uh, integrations and they do, they have an AI bot that they're training. Yeah. So you, yeah, so you thought through it in a totally different way. So you went to the, the end solution he was looking for, but not necessarily the, um, his solution, but you solved the problem he was trying to fix anyway. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So it's taking a step back and saying, well, what is the problem? And he's actually told me exactly the same um, because just recently we're looking at the hiring system and I'm like, wait, are you wanting me to test the software or do you want me to fix the hiring process or review the hiring process? Uh, and so it's that discussion. And he's like, well, it's the same thing. I'm like, no. Yeah, you've, it, got, you've actually got it figured out. And I think this is the one that most entrepreneurs maybe miss on is we were very quick starts and we go from problem to solution, but we miss the opportunity to look for other solutions. Often some of the very easy low hanging fruit solutions that don't even cost us money or take time. Right. Yeah. Uh, but in the absence of that, we just want to start it and go to the next fixing the next problem. Right. Yeah. 
So yeah. I was speaking with a, a COO yesterday in Thailand. Um, it's a, a second in command that I'm coaching from Thailand. His CEO um, is a YPO member over there and, and I know his CEO quite well. Um, and we were talking about how the second in command needs to be able to bring the bad news and confront the brutal facts with the CEO, how they almost need to be, if no one else is telling the truth or if no one else is telling them what's really happening, you need to be the person that really tells them what maybe they don't want to hear or don't see, but need to hear. <clears throat> Does that make sense? It's kind of like the emperor has no clothes. You know that? Yes. So the, how, the reality check. <laughs> yeah. So how do you do that? And I, I'm not going to lead you, but how do you do that with Nick where, you know, maybe something's going wrong in the company and you know, he needs to hear it, but probably doesn't want to. How do you, and, and it often can even feel like we're putting our own jobs at risk. Um, yes. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I'm, I don't know if I have the right approach, but I end up just kind of talking straight facts. Uh, and there is a little bit of a sandwich. Like I like to be constructive. Come if they say that you have to be constructive, um, then kind of put in the, the not so yeah, I call positive. It the shit, the, I call it the shit sandwich. <laughs> yeah. And then kind of end on a positive. So sometimes yeah. I do try that. It's like, look, you're really great at this. But let's have a reality check here, but you know, and then end with a positive. So I have tried that. Um, and, and, and sometimes it's just like, well, these are the numbers. Um, so from an operational point of view, mm. we always want to go back to the metrics and the numbers and say, look, this is what the numbers are showing us. So where do we go from here? That's cool. Yeah. And I think it, it's, it's, they're starving for this information from us and they need us to tell them what's really going on. I think often that the rest of the team, especially as a company scales and gets over 100 to 250 employees, when politics starts to creep in, they start being surrounded by a bunch of people who will say yes, but won't really tell them what needs to be said. And they're really starving for us to tell them what needs to be said. Yeah, and it has to be delivered in, in the right way, in the right message. And you want to stay constructive, hence the sandwich. Mm. <laughs> so I'd, I'd love to find another analogy because this uh, sandwich has been around for a while. but. Um, well, one of, the, one of them is, as you said, straight talk, you know, that radical candor, but also doing it in private, never doing it in front of their board of advisors, never doing it in front of the rest of the management team, like almost like mommy and daddy having a discussion aside, not in front of the kids. Um, yes. It's kind of the same approach. Talk to me a little bit about how engineering has helped shape your, um, you know, your role as a second in command mm -hmm. and how you've leveraged some of the skills from, from engineering. Yeah, I think it's the, a great foundation um, because so I come from chemical engineering background. Um, they really make you look at the whole system. Um, and of course, that would be an engineering term. So then it would be all about pressures and temperatures and chemical compositions and stuff like that. But it's more the kind of what you take out of it. And so you look at the whole, the whole system, the whole machine, and you, know, you kind of review what every bit of the machine is doing. Um, and, and then you de-bottleneck. And I've seen like a company and being operations manager is exactly the same thing. So having measuring uh, at, different uh, at different places in the organization, what's happening, having an overview of everything and then figuring out what needs to change, like what's, um, you know, what's not performing and what do we need to de-bottleneck and improve. So I think that's, yeah, one of the most valuable things I took away from my engineering group, that, that approach. Sorry, is that the way that you approach business and, and using that approach all the time? 
Yeah, just about, I think, um, because everything is kind of deconstructed and then put back together. So you kind of, even just as the software example that I was giving you uh, before with the Confluence and the Ask Spoke, it's like, how do we... How do we break this down? How do we break this problem down into manageable components? Uh, what do we need to do? And then let's put it all back together. So, yeah. Interesting. Tell me about the uh, the people side of the business. So you're running an entirely, is it entirely, is leverage now entirely remote or are there any offices anywhere with your 70 plus employees? No offices. Um, so I think we, we dabbled and we had an office right at the beginning and no one was going to it. So we shut it back down. Mm. And now we're wondering, we have a few people in Nashville. So we're wondering whether it's not worth kind of getting a, a co-working office um, on an ad hoc basis so we can meet up with, with certain parts of the people of the team. And I think, yeah, that'd be nice. The best uh, combination to both. Yeah, there's a company called Acceleration Partners that I used to coach and uh, Bob Glazier and then his second in command, who's also in the COO Alliance. Um, they have around 120 employees full time that are all remote, um, plus freelancers. And they've now started opening some hubs where in a few cities that they're starting to get kind of 10 plus freelancers, they're opening up these little hub offices now that um, that people are going to. And they're more of just kind of, again, shared workspace. But people kind of want to just go and hang out once in a while versus just sitting in coffee shops all the time. Yeah, I'd love to do that with leverage down the line once yeah. we build the team to that uh, to that component. And of course, I'm one of our token Europeans that you can hear from our uh, yep, accent. <laughs> most of the team is American and most of our clients are American or Northern American based. Um, but just even kind of, yeah, Barcelona, things, I don't live in Barcelona, but you know, there's sun and there's... Uh, the, temperature is nice and warm and so we have quite a few european people that come over to europe and it'd be lovely to just exactly have a big table work for a while um i'm ever so happy when when the, one of the team comes over and we get to work and have lunch and yeah it's lovely. You, you mentioned slack and asana as a couple of technology tools that you use internally what other technology tools does leverage rely on to um i guess communicate and work remotely and stay connected so we also mentioned process street Right. Um, yeah. Yep. We did start off bootstrapping with Trello. Um, so there's a lot of pros of Trello. We actually changed our project management from Trello to Asana um, in the last six months. So just to give it a bit more kind of structure, um, but they both have their pros and their cons and love both for, for kind of different purposes. Um, and so on the development side, we kind of use more of the development products like uh, GitHub and Zenhub to manage the, the, the dashboard side of things. And um, so on the client success side of things, we use Intercom for a lot of our client communication that are also integrates into our dashboard. Um, so a lot of the client kind of, uh, the client chat would happen through Intercom. And um, so marketing, we've gone, we've moved to ConvertKit uh, as a newsletter platform. Okay. So, a little bit yeah. about, about your growth then as a company. I mean, to, to go through the growth that you've gone through and also a bit of a pivot um, on the, the kind of model, you, you scaled up to around 250 freelancers, you're back to around 70 full-time, um, you've kind of pivoted on a little bit of the model now. How did you turn the company over the last 12 months and, and get everyone aligned? That must have been difficult. A lot of communication in Slack. So we do, so we are very much in Slack, not so much email. Uh, we try and be an email-free company. 
which we've nearly succeeded. Um, so a lot around Slack and a lot of calls. So we do have once a month with the whole team and then we have the, um, uh, the department calls. And of course, then we have all the ones and ones as well. So for especially kind of, you know, uh, with the other departments as in with me and the other departments and sometimes with the account managers, for example, or uh, parts of the marketing team that I kind of go straight to them. Um, but within the team, it's, it's kind of, comes down to a communication on Slack, the Slack announcements. We've actually made a, a, a channel recently just for announcements uh, because people were feeling that there was too much chatter in, in Slack and they were missing the announcements. So we've, we were listening, we did a survey um, of uh, recently of um, uh, how, how the team members were feeling and about the communication and about the mm -hmm. knowledge management as part of answering this knowledge management being remote, of course. And, um, and so we created that announcement channel so it's very easy for them to get up to speed with the changes. And we also had like a data digest, uh, a PDF that gets sent out um, every two weeks that summarizes all the key things uh, whether from each department. So whether it's kind of new clients or kind of uh, highlighting a team member or if it's a big change with the latest on the dashboard, for example, but that keeps them aligned. There's a note from Nick as the CEO, so that keeps them aligned with where his thoughts are. He also shares that on the, on the, the monthly huddle, um, but a lot in Slack. A lot yes. of communication in Slack. Yeah. I love that you're using Slack and using all that over communication as well. That um, I think Jim Collins in Good to Great, I think it was, said that when your team, it's only when your employees have started to make fun of you that you know that your ideas are starting to stick. And it's because you've told them so many times that they're starting to tease you about it. Okay, I've heard that. Well, I heard that you had to say it seven times or repeat it to seven times, but um, yeah, only when they're starting to make fun of, fun of you. I know maybe I'll have to wait for it. They haven't started making fun of me yet, so I have to repeat myself more, okay? Keep telling, no, it's kind of like our parents, right? We, when, once we start teasing our parents for the way they're talking to us, then it, we know that the ideas have stuck, stuck in. So yeah. what, what did you struggle with then, yourself in your role and as COO and then over the transition period? Were there a couple of key points that you as a company were struggling with that you had to figure out and learn, and can you share those with us at all? Is there anything specific with the world? Yeah, like, just just curious. Was there anything that was it? A, were there people issues you struggled with that you had to figure out and solve? Was it operational things? Did you have to get rid of clients? Because you did do a fairly substantial, or maybe not substantial, but a fairly uh, a fairly big pivot. I'm curious how you made that transition and what we can learn from it. Um, I think probably all of the <laughs> all of the above. <laughs> there were operational, and it was making some tough decisions. Um, you know, there'd be some great team members that we had to let go because we wanted to shift more in the full time. That's never a good conversation or a conversation that we want to have. So, um, but you know, a lot of people were working with leverage in addition to another job. Um, we're trying to phase that out, but it's not that their performance wasn't great. It's just that we want a more dedicated, we want to, as you change, say, change the model, and that's a hard conversation um, to have. Uh, so that was within the team. And then, of course, then we're all working remote, so it takes a while to build up rapport. It's not like you can go to um, <laughs> the coffee machine and kind of build up a rapport over the coffee machine. You really have to take that time in calls uh, to do that. And so we do, one of our Slack channels is called the water cooler for exactly that. It's supposed to be the banter. Um, yeah. How do you, how do you build that rapport and that banter and that camaraderie, um, which, which I think is the some of the foundational parts with trust as well. How do you build that 
with the teams when you are remote like that? Yeah, a lot of talking and Slack and just taking that five minutes at the beginning of meetings, even our, um, or a bit more, it doesn't have to be exactly five. Um, even the exec call starts with five minutes of what did you do over the weekend? Because it's so easy with all these issues to jump right in. And it's like, no, let's take a step away and kind of let, let's connect with each other. And it's the same thing with all the teams. So kind of make sure that we kind of start with well, what's going on in your life? Because I'm not seeing you. We're not walking into the office together. We're not having lunch together. We're not walking out. We did actually once try the group lunch. <laughs> um, yeah, but then you're eating on camera, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that part's hard. Tell us, yeah. about, tell us about your growth. So you came into the company. You, you didn't come in as the second in command originally, or did you? No, no, I didn't. No, so I grew. So a lot of talking, uh, a lot of talking to kind of Nick about, well, uh, when we were still on Trello, I'm like, well, these are the pitfalls of Trello. Like, you know, do we need a new dashboard? How are we going to manage this? How can we automate this? What about the metrics? Like, what are we tracking? What do we want to be tracking? And so a lot of some of those early conversations are just uh, because of the bootstrapping um, you know, uh, model are only being implemented now. We've just recently in the last two months kind of really started um, tracking a lot of things because we have our own dashboard. So we, we have access to those metrics much more than when we were on Trello. Um, so, so yeah, communicating and communicating ideas and vision and just being aligned on where we wanted the company to go. How about um, your skill set? What did you have to focus on the most in your skills to grow as a leader? Oh, um, I think it was probably just the interpersonal skills. Um, I use the the example of, you know, she's one of my favorite colleagues now, uh, Brittany. But in the beginning, she was uh, I was moving out of a role that she was moving into, and it's like how much, how much. What, what the balance is with everything, like how much to suggest versus how much to kind of say, no, this is the way we're going to do it. Um, you know, you, because you want to kind of empower people, you want to empower their ideas. Although I recently read an article that, it, that is not the right word to use, uh, the word empower, but you want them to own. Basically, you want them to own their space. Um, but then having transitioned or having experienced that, you have things and knowledge that you want to share. And so finding that balance between between what's right for the company, but also letting them um, develop their own vision. Yeah, it's almost, it's interesting. I keep thinking of growing our teams, the same as growing our, our children, that you can't do everything for your kids. You need them to learn. But I mean, if you're frying an egg, you can kind of show them the best way to fry the darn egg. You can't let them spend a week trying to figure the darn thing out on their own, right? Like, there yep. often is some experience and wisdom that you can pass on that saves everybody a lot of time and, and angst. Yes, but then you might be excluding yourself from some wonderful right. omelets that you would never envisioned making. So, so it is exactly, it's kind of that call of when to do what and with who and a track record of uh, vision and seeing what, what you end up with. But yes, some things that you're just like, nope, it's a straight egg. And other times it's okay to to see, to see what sort of omelet you come up with. Yeah. Quick, quick question around, um, around your growth again. What are you doing to work on your growth now? One of the things that we started recently is the COO Alliance. We started the only network of its kind in the world for second in command, kind of like the Genius Network, but only for COOs. No entrepreneurs are allowed. Um, and that was just a place that the COOs would be able to work on their skills. I'm curious what you're doing to work on your skills as a leader that will help you grow and help the company grow. What are you doing now? 
actually, this has been my year. I have a very funny New Year's resolutions, and I'm still talking them about them in March. Um, and this year is my year exactly of doing that, of networking more. So actually, I joined, especially working online. Um, I don't have that office communication or all those office networks or even in a co-working space. So I, I joined um, a professional women's network. Uh, locally here in Amsterdam, based in Amsterdam. And so I, through that, I have some coaching, uh, some formal coaching, which I'm really appreciating. I have a wonderful coach and she's helped me a lot. Kind of, Actually, one of the things I'm wanting to work more is how to be an effective project manager. So that goes back to your eggs versus omelets. It's mm. like, uh, whether it's kind of talking with, the, like, with my colleague or whether it's project management, it's like how much bandwidth do you give people and so she's helping me with uh, coaching with that. And we've recently started a book club. So we're actually reading Disruptors right now. Awesome. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is the peer group that you need as well, right? To be able to get into that group yeah. and then continue to work on our skills. And I think Ray Kroc, who was the, the guy who's credited with growing McDonald's, um, said, when you're green, you're growing. When you're ripe, you're rotting. And I think all of us as leaders need to continue to grow, especially yeah. now, probably more than ever with how much technology is changing the, the way that businesses are run and how fast businesses are changing that if we don't adapt, we die. Yeah, and I'm just talking about the interpersonal skills and the, and the project management aspect, but the same thing exactly as you say with skills. I have that huge list of backlog of, of tools to test and we want to stay relevant. So it's very important to stay competitive, stay relevant. And so it's actually uh, on my backlog list to be better at that and to stay more in, uh, up to date with all the new technology that is coming out there and see how we can improve leverage and how I can. So it's, I guess, a personal growth of mine that I need to tap more into that and stay on top of all the new kind of emerging technologies. How are you, how are you testing the technologies? How are you deciding which ones are the right ones? Testing. So we have a beautiful process, <laughs> of course. And, um, uh, it, it kind of depends how interested we are. Is this like interested because we want to know or interested because we want to implement? Um, so two, two different strategies. If, we're, um, if, we're, if it's just for just to be in the know-how and not thinking about implementing, but we kind of want to know, then, um, uh, then it would go into looking at software, setting up kind of a, an account, going maybe talking to customer service, doing a demo and seeing what their use cases are and figuring out like uh, what the best use cases are, the, the pros, the cons, um, and how it fit in for us. Mm. So if we wanted to really test it, the same thing, but on a, on a different level, like it needs, to, then you have to tie it back uh, to what are you trying to achieve? Um, is it going to fulfill the requirements? What are, what are the requirements? What are the nice to haves? How does it compare to the nice to haves? And so we have all these criteria of what are for each software. We started with writing the criteria. What, what do, does it need to have and what are the nice to have? That's so, great. Yeah, yeah that, that's a key way to approach it. I don't think any people do that. They really start with, oh, I need a contact manager. Great, I'll use Salesforce. I'm like, really? Why? Like, why are you going for that level of overkill when you need something just to manage, you know, 50 people and who you're talking to every month or 500 people? Um, yeah. I, I recently stumbled across a site that you guys might find interesting called Capterra. I don't know if you've seen it before, but it's C-A-P-T-E-R-R-A. -R -R -A. I'll link it in the show notes. It's a, yeah. um, an online, I guess, uh, listing of all the different software platforms and packages by category. So if you're looking for, let's say, um, a recruiting software, it lists all the recruiting softwares and then it shows the comparisons between them all. It's kind of like, here's all the 
you know, the features or functionality and pricing and it shows the ratings that they all get from their users. And um, it's pretty cool. It's almost like for me, a bit of a fast forward to, all right, what are the top three that I'll look at, right? Instead of having to do all my own research, it's already done. Perfect. Because as you say, actually, part of that is reading the reviews and reading how they compare to each other. So awesome. Yes. And it rings a bell, but I'm going to just double check to make sure that that's the same one that I was thinking at. But um, yeah. Yeah. I just just stumbled on it the other day. Somebody in uh, the CEO Alliance mentioned it to me and then I've been sharing it with everybody now. It just, it seems like a really strong review and it's, um, it just reviews all the top software platforms um, in all the the top categories. It's kind of interesting. So Tell us about um, about meetings. You mentioned that you have some really strong um, leadership team meetings. Walk us through that and how you, um, I guess, how you uh, manage your meetings and what kind of meetings you have. And I'm interested because I, I wrote a book called Meetings Suck and just trying to teach people how to unsuck their meetings. So I'm curious as to what you guys have done that's working well for you. Yeah, well, we went through a bit of an overhaul uh, last about January last year, where we really wanted to structure our meetings uh, more, even from the point of view of let's start and finish on time. Uh, because actually, in the startup remote environment, even that is sometimes a little bit challenging, and we keep each other to it. Um, so we, Nick, actually for Christmas last year, got us all the books traction, which I put next to me, so I'm holding up right now. <laughs> Yep. And so we're, we're using that. So we, like I said before, we start with the whole five minute, oh, sorry, backtracking for a, slide, uh, for a second. So we have the meeting agenda and that's kind of the same structure week to week. So it starts with the five minutes of kind of building rapport, like I said, and then we kind of go into, let's look at the scorecard, how we're tracking against all the metrics that we were you know, that we're wanting to check out and uh, stay on top of. Let's have a look at the rocks. So the rocks are the quarterly goal. Um, so see how we're aligned with our with our quarterly ambitions and are we on track? If not, why not? And what do we need to do to stay on track of that? So that'd be a few minutes. Then headlines. We look at uh, what are, are there any team member headlines uh, that we need to know about client headlines that can be both positive and negative. Like client gave us an amazing review. Then, you know, we want to know that. Uh, if we, you know, if we have an unhappy client, a big unhappy client, then we want to know that as well. And same with the team. Someone did a great, uh, a great job, or you know, their performance issues. Then we need to know about that. So we spend a few minutes talking about that. And so recently, Nick added uh, to a summary to add the one thing we did last week to contribute to profit. So, um, oh, so like actually, yeah. Yeah, that's been um, very interesting, kind of very on point, especially like in the beginning, you're like, oh, what what did I do last week? And what was the most thing? But it keeps you very relevant to what the priorities need to be. Well, I think it starts to get all the employees to think a little bit more like an owner does. And mm-hmm. to, exactly. you know, if we don't bring it up, then no one ever is going to focus on it. But if it's, if we yeah. bring it up, at least stays top of mind as much as, you know, employee engagement and customer enga- engagement, um, profit does as well. So final, final question for you, if you want to wrap up for us is tell oh, me. Wait, I haven't um, finished. <laughs> sorry? I haven't finished. Oh. The meeting agenda. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, please. <laughs> sorry, sorry. So, um, so because that's what like five minutes. And so then we get into the core component, which is uh, IDS. So um, issues, discussions, and solutions. Yep. And so a lot of what we kind of, so throughout a lot of what we kind of raise in the scorecard on the rocks will be pushed down to IDS to allow, uh, to allow for a bigger discussion. But it's also throughout the week, we add meeting agenda items. So we're like, we'll save this for the meeting. We want to talk about it. Um, it's probably better face-to-face or rather screen-to-screen uh, rather than a huge Slack conversation. So yeah. we'll be 
that, we discuss it, and at the end we do the cascading of messages and what are the, all the actions and who needs to know. I think that's the critical part as well as that you just touched on is that we need meetings so that we can have the screen to screen discussions or face to face discussions and work through stuff instead of going back and forth, back and forth on Slack or emails, which doesn't solve anything, causes a lot of miscommunication and frustration yeah. and drags on forever. That if we just move our ideas or questions to the weekly meeting or our, you know, our one on ones or stand ups, whatever the meeting format is going to be, we can usually get stuff done a lot quicker. Yeah, and you have all the right people in the room because in Slack, um, you don't know, has that person, they haven't commented, is that because they don't have an opinion or is that because they haven't read the message? So the meeting, you know that they've been listening. And so we do the same, so I use the exact meeting as an example, but really all the interdepartmental ones take the same kind of shape. We just add to the meeting notes, like I'll save this, we'll talk through it. And as you said, it's just so much more efficient sometimes. Great. I love it. I'd love your, um, your group in Amsterdam to all read the book meetings suck when you get a chance. So we'll yes, it. yes. I'll uh, put it on there. Yeah. It's a solid yeah. one. It's, it's a great value. It's actually the one business book that every employee at every company should be reading as well in my mind. So give us a, a kind of a wrapping point. If you were the 21 year old Florence who is starting off in her career, what leadership lesson do you know now to be true that you wish you'd known earlier on? leadership because I know you asked this and I, I had prepared my answer but you you just added the leadership component to yeah. it so um because I was going to say that it, you you know you have your heart and you have your head and so sometimes it, you always go with the heart in the end but it takes the head some convincing to get there so mm. I was going to say that but I'm just trying to see if it applies to leadership as well it totally does I mean, that apply if you go with your heart on all the decisions that goes around people, it goes around operations, it goes around communication, it goes around time management. Absolutely, it works. That's true. I was going to say, but then you get into the, a bit the tough decision between like, well, what about the guidelines and the processes? Like, do you always kind of go with emotion? But no, I guess it has to be, uh, it has to be kind of a guided a guided, yeah, I think so. I think it is a bit of a guided discussion. I've always said that for me, it's, um, it's outcome over process. Even though I believe in having processes in place, I believe in, in SOPs, I believe in having these, these checklists that we follow, I'll break any of those if I see that diamond in the rough and I can grab it quickly, right? Like I will. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's the heart kicking in, right? Where you just know. You just have yep. to trust that and go with it. Yep. Oh, I like that. Okay. I'm happy that worked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it was perfect. Thanks about the uh, head of operations and second in command for leverage. Thanks so much for sharing with us today on the second in command podcast. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. You've been listening to second in command with Cameron Harold. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe. To learn more best practices from industry leading COOs, please visit COOalliance.com.